I had this question this week. I was thinking about this, this message to, about today, and I was thinking about this question, what makes someone worth following? You know, there's a lot of leaders, there's a lot of different people that have influence, but what makes someone worth following? And, and I think a leader is anyone that has someone following them. And so that means that it's not just church leaders, it's not just business leaders or community leaders, teachers. It's more, it's, it's, it can be any of us. If we have someone that's following after us, maybe not like as, as a disciple, but just looking up to us or, or being influenced by our life, then I believe we're a leader. That doesn't make us a good leader, but it makes us a leader. Someone's following, someone's being influenced by you. And so what is it that makes a leader worth following? And so we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Timothy 3 today about what are some qualities of a leader that's worth following. Um, when I Googled this, I saw that Harvard Business School had six characteristics of, a effect, of effective leaders. And I put that on the screen there. And it says these six things. So the world is looking for good leaders too, not just the church. But what they say for these characteristics is... First, the ability to influence others. Um, second, to be transparent, but to an extent. The third is to encourage risk-taking and innovation. The fourth is integrity and accountability. The fifth is to act decisively, and the sixth is to demonstrate resilience. And I, and I look through that list, I, I think those are, those are good things. Those are our, you know, the world is coming up with good ways of having leadership, and Harvard was started, I know, as a, as a seminary, as, as a ch uh, school that was for uh, Christians uh, wanting to go into ministry. That was a long time ago. Uh, but the world is still, they have a lot of good ideas about how we can lead. You know, there's a lot of really good leaders that are not in the church. But there's also a lot of good leaders that are in the church. And so we want to be, uh, in, in our life, we want to be a good leader, someone that's worth following. Um, you know, some leaders, they want what's best for themselves. They, they're going to try to be a good leader so they can have more power, maybe more fame, maybe more control, um, maybe it's, they, it's for their pride. There's a lot of reasons why people want, actually want to be even a good leader, but that doesn't make them someone that's worth following. I know even, sadly, in the, in the church world, there's a lot of uh, what we call celebrity pastors. And while that maybe isn't so bad, what happens then is, is that when, unfortunately, when there's a moral failure or there's some kind of failure, it really hurts not just their church, it hurts the church that a lot of people that are following after them. And, and I think we've probably, a lot of us have probably experienced that hurt by someone we thought was a good leader, someone we thought that we could trust, someone that that said the right things and, and usually did the right things. They had a life of, it looked like integrity, and they, they did a lot of really good things. And so we, those leaders are out there, even, even pastors. And so we have to be careful where we put our trust in leadership. Now, I'm not saying let's not trust leadership because we want to pray for our leaders. You know, it says in the Bible we need to be praying for our leaders, and especially those that are in leadership in the body of Christ. Um, and so, 
what I think is what makes a good leader, someone that's worth following, is someone that is leading not out of their own interests. Like in Philippians, it says that we are looking to, not for our own interests, but the interests of others. And I believe that makes a really good leader. Colossians talks about, it's on the front of your bulletin today, compassion and kindness and humility and, and gentleness and patience. Those are all qualities that leaders should have. Godly leaders should have. And does that make someone worth following? I think what makes someone worth following, I believe, is leaders worth following lead by seeking the best for, for not themselves, but for others. And that's our main idea today. So we have leaders that are worth following. They're, they're seeking the best for others. The, thing, the people that they're leading, the people that they're influencing, they want what's best for them, not what's best for themselves. And the Bible talks about what some of the qualities are. And in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul writes a letter. The Apostle Paul writes a letter to Timothy. And if you guys want to turn there with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. There's actually two letters, but we're going to read the first part or the third chapter of, of the first one today. So 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's in the New Testament, um, kind of about halfway through the New Testament. Uh, and so we're going to look at this letter. Uh, and, and really, this, this subtitle that they have over, it says qualifications for overseers, and then later it's for deacons. And an overseer and an elder, really similar things, same kind of idea, or maybe the same word. Um, and so here's what it says in, in the Word of God. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, here's a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. So, so right away, Paul is saying, if you want to be an elder, if you want to be a church leader, you, you actually have a noble task. You have a noble idea. What you want is probably a good thing. But let's make sure that that person is qualified. So in 1 Timothy 3, uh, verse 2, it says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. So here we see these, these verses. There's, there's this list. There's this list of a, a lot of really good qualities. I think these, this list is, is for anybody in leadership. Now, Paul is specifically talking to church leaders, but I think, isn't, isn't this for everyone? This, if you want to, I mean, being a leader, if you're trying to be a godly leader, don't you want to show that you are above reproach, that you're faithful to your spouse, that you're self-controlled and temperate, respectable, you're hospitable? You know, able to teach is the only one right here in this list that, that is a little different than character. But all the rest of these are all about character. Not given to drunkenness. Not, not violent. A gentle person. Not a lover of money. Not quarrelsome. These are all qualities, I believe, of a godly leader. And so our first idea today is that a godly leadership requires personal integrity. So a personal integrity, all these things are listed here under integrity. And in fact, even... Harvard says this too. Integrity and accountability. 
Integrity is the idea that when no one's looking, when no one knows, you're still making the right choice. And you're making the right choice because you believe what you're doing matters. How you're leading, it's important. And so whether or not someone sees you do the, good, the right thing, you make the right choice. You make right choices even in the small things, it's going to help you throughout your life in the bigger things. And so godly leadership requires personal integrity. So we can ask ourselves, do we have integrity? Are we living a good example for others to follow? Even if no one else sees, when we have a choice, maybe it's from one of the things on this list here, maybe it's from something else, we have a choice. Are we choosing to do, make the godly decision, to, make the, to do what's right, because it's right, are we choosing? Oh, no one will. No one will probably know about that. It's not that big a deal. If we ever are justifying our choices, there's probably a pretty good chance that those aren't choices of integrity. And so, godly leadership starts with personal integrity. You know, there's a lot of examples of people that haven't lived in, in integrity. A lot of a lot of really good leaders have done a lot of really good things until something is found out. And when that thing is found out, then their whole reputation's gone. Their whole example is shot. And so let's, let's have a life of personal integrity in the way we lead. Uh, Paul continues here in, in 1 Timothy 3 in this and it's talking about qualifications. Qualifications of, of leaders, of really of elders. And he says in verse 4, He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a, in a manner worthy of full respect. And then he kind of explains this in verse 5. If anyone does not know how to manage their own family, how can they take care of God's church? And this, this, these verses right here, they are in no way meant to, I believe, they're not, not to judge. They're not to say, look at those people's kids. They didn't turn out very well. They're bad kids. They are living the way the world wants. And so that makes the parents bad parents. I believe that is not what these verses are about. And I believe what Paul is saying here is you have to take intention at home. It, godly leadership starts at home. It, it doesn't just happen in the church, church and else, but it starts at home. It, it means that you're being intentional when you're in your family, for your kids, for your spouse, that you're working together, that you're showing the passion and love of Jesus Christ to the people in your family. And so, yeah, when when things come up, there's a lot of things. If you watch the news, there's a lot of things that come up. If you hear about things at school or whatever, when, when things come up and you hear about the things of this world, as parents as a, or grandparents or family, do we just say, oh, that's too bad. That's, let's not worry about that. Or do we say, hey, let's pray about what's happening in Hawaii. Man, that's fire 
That that was just out of control. Like, that's, that's not the way God designed this earth to be. That is not, that is not from God. And so how can we be helpful to the, the people there? How can we be a blessing? How can we be praying for that situation? Or whatever the situation is, how can we show that we, when we have a moment, or we call them teachable moments at our house, where just like something comes up and we have a decision. Are we going to just say, like, oh yeah, let's not talk about that? Or are we going to talk about it? You know, there's, you know, maybe younger kids need to go to bed first and then we talk to the older kids about something. But whatever it is, we, we use teachable moments because godly leadership starts at home. How are we leading our family? So how are you being a leader in your family? Maybe, maybe you're past, you may, maybe your kids are older. Maybe you have grandkids. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you're still a kid. Whatever the case is, how are you having leadership at home? How are you starting with this godly leadership in the small things? Are what we're saying in public matching what we're saying at home? And sometimes that doesn't mesh. We, you know, we're, we're kind and compassionate. We're showing all kinds of nice things to people, but then at home, when the door is closed, we're, not, we're a little bit of a different person. How are we being a leader at home? Paul then says in verse 6, he says, continues with this list of, of people that are going to be good, godly leaders. And he says in verse 6, he must not be a recent convert, or he may be conceited and, and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He also must have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. I mean, there's some strong wording here because Paul isn't, Paul isn't hiding the fact that the devil is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil wants Christians to fall. The devil wants everyone to be against God because that makes the devil happy because he wants to hurt God and the best way to hurt God is to make the people that he made in his image God made it us in his image when we reject God that makes the devil happy when we hurt God he's happy and so Paul is saying here is a person that's just recently come to faith, they probably lack some maturity, some godly maturity. And so they might be conceited and say, I have it all figured out. Maybe they won't say it like that, but I have it all figured out. I know how to, how to do this. And maybe they're all in on everything, you know, diving in the Word, and that's awesome. But they're probably still lacking some maturity. And, and also it says here in verse 7 that they must have a good reputation with outsiders. If you have a reputation that that's, says one thing and does something else, you're not going to be a good leader. And so I believe here that godly leadership grows over time. It, it, it's not something that just happens usually overnight. All of a sudden, someone's really good at being a leader. But it grows over time. You know, maturity, we see this in, in our youth. Actually, maybe we don't see maturity in our youth. But we see 
immaturity in our youth, and then we hope and pray that they're becoming more and more mature, not just in life, but also in, in their walk with the Lord. But this, this happens too to someone that just comes to Christ later on in life. They may, they're not going to be a mature believer. They might be mature in how they act, but they're not mature in their faith. And so godly leadership grows over time. We've already talked a little bit about reputation, how one, just one thing can just ruin a reputation. And so how are we growing our leadership? Are we taking intention with people? Are we being kind and compassionate? Are we starting at home and showing leadership and intention there? And are we waiting? Or are we, are we just jumping right into leadership? I mean, if you think about it, Paul, the person that wrote this, you know, he, was, he was all about killing and putting in jail the Christians. Those that believed in Jesus, he was going, dragging them off and putting them in jail. And, and he had this experience where God, really Jesus showed up and said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul, ever since then, he was Saul then, but he became Paul. Ever since then, he started preaching for Jesus. And his reputation had been he's the one that's going to come in and get rid of the Christians, put them in jail, lock them up, or, th- or, or have them stoned. And now all of a sudden his reputation is changing. And, and right away we saw the people there, they didn't really believe. They were like, is he tricking us? What's happening? But Paul, he takes 14 years. Now that's a long time. Maybe not to everybody here, but it's a long, uh, it's a long time. You think back 14 years, that was a while ago. He takes 14 years before he goes off into missionary, in his first missionary journey. And what was he doing in that 14 years? His leadership was growing over time. He was studying God's word. He was praying. He was probably involved in some local ministry. We don't know exactly all the things he was doing, but his godly leadership was growing over time before he was ready to be launched out and be used by God in a magnificent way, reaching a lot of the the known world for Jesus and his kingdom. So maturity and reputation, they grow over time. Well, so really the idea of this whole message is what kind of leader am I? We ask ourselves, am I a leader that is worth following? Am I, am I a leader that's, that's growing to be more and more like what God wanted me to be? Am I, what do I want to be as a leader? Am I growing and also, not just what about me and my leadership, but what kind of leaders am I following? Who am I listening to? Who am I watching? Am I trusting the news anchor more than I should? Am I trusting an author, a pastor? Am I, am I trusting people just because they have some kind of platform? What kind of leaders am I following? What kind of leaders have, are influencing me? What kind of books am I reading? What kind of shows am I watching? Even, even what kind of movies am I watching? Is, 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 our, you know, is, is Hollywood influencing you? What kind of leader am I? And what kind of leader 
or leaders am I following? Now, I know sometimes we don't have a choice of some leaders we're following, and that might be your boss, or it might be, you know, there's some that we don't have a choice, but, but you know what God calls us to do is to pray for our leaders. We're supposed to, as believers, we're supposed to be witnessing for Jesus wherever we are, even if it's in a really bad situation. But sometimes we have a choice of what kind of leaders we're letting influence us. But leaders worth following, I believe, are leading by seeking the best for others. The best for others, not the best for themselves. And I think the ultimate example of this, of course, is Mark Zuckerberg. You know, that he, made, he created Facebook so that we could all connect. Wait a minute. No, not, not Mark Zuckerberg. No, not, he's not a great example. I mean, maybe he's a good leader, but he's not the ultimate example. The ultimate example, of course, is Taylor Swift. You guys didn't laugh the first time. <laughs> Taylor Swift, I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> she has all kinds of influence. I mean, people are, are going all over the world to see her. Listen to what she's writing songs about. Isn't she the ultimate example of caring for others? I don't know her heart, but I don't think that's the ultimate example. <laughs> but we know the ultimate example. The Sunday school answer is Jesus. But Jesus, he's the one that took his life. He said, I'm going to do whatever my father wants. And what my father wants is so important that I'm going to obey, even though my life is going to be taken or lost. And Jesus willingly went to die on a cross. He willingly thought about us and how the only way that we're going to be with the Father for eternity is, is by his sacrifice. And Jesus is this ultimate example of, of a leader that's worth following. If Jesus did this for you and me, and he did this for the, any, the whole world, and anyone that puts their life in the hands of Jesus, making him the Lord and Savior of their life, if he did it for the whole world, isn't he worth following? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's who we worship. We, we follow after Jesus. And if he's worth following, shouldn't we be reading his word? Shouldn't we be seeing what he was all about? Studying his, his truth? Not watching the evening news for two hours. I'm not trying to say we shouldn't watch the news. But shouldn't we be getting our source from his word? Shouldn't we be praying, asking him to guide us, to lead us, and be praying for those in leadership, praying for those who influence us? Godly leadership requires personal integrity. Godly leadership starts at home, and it grows over time. Today we're going to have the elder lot just in a, a few moments here and I want to be praying not just for the elders here in this congregation and how God's going to lead but I want to be praying let's, let's be praying on a regular basis for our leadership in this church in, in the greater C church the, the, the church of Jesus Christ those people that trust in Jesus that, his, that leaders would even though we are all under attack, even though we're all influenced by the twists and schemes of the, the twisting of the truth of the, the devil, 
Let's be grounded in his word. Let's stand for righteousness. Let's stand for love and looking to Jesus as our ultimate example of who we follow. I'm not saying let's not follow other people also. There's a lot of really good leaders. But let's follow Jesus way more than anybody else. So that means if you're in, you have a good podcast, if you have a good book, if you have really good websites you go to, make sure it's not just they're using some Christian ideas and they're using some verses, but let's go to this first. Let's go to this a lot. And not because we're religious and need to do that, but because we want to know the truth. and We want to be in relationship with Jesus Christ and know him and know his heart. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you are the ultimate example, that you are the leader that chose to give your life for others, for, for us, for anyone that puts their life in your hands as choosing you as Lord, choosing you as the Savior of the world. Let me thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, that you give us wisdom through your word. And Lord, I pray that we would be leaders worth following because we're not seeking what's best for ourselves, but we would be seeking what's best for others. And the ultimate way that we can be a leader is we can be led by you. Lord, please help us to to know you, to know your heart, to have a hunger and thirst for your word and to be difference makers in the, in the world around us, that people would see the good things that are happening in our life. They would see the joy that we have. They would see the, the trust that we have in you, Jesus, and they would turn to you and glorify the Father in heaven. We pray for discernment of who to follow. We pray for wisdom and helping as we lead, as we lead others for those in our homes, for those in our circle of influence. And we pray, Lord, for leadership here at this church. We thank you for the leaders that you've established. God, we pray that we would remember to be praying for our leadership on a regular basis. We pray even now for this this elder lot as we have two very qualified leaders. Lord, we thank you for Kenny Beachy. Thank you for Rod Kyogama. We thank you for their willingness to to be an elder. God, we thank you that that you call and that you choose. And Lord, I pray that whatever you decide, we would embrace. However you lead, we would say yes and amen. So Lord, we ask for your clear leading right now as we choose, as you choose, the next elder here at East Bend. In Jesus' name, amen.